Yes, sir.
just the first verse one more time. Sing ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen.
night after night, Tracy sat with her daughter, Elena, until she fell asleep. See, the dark terrified Elena, but her mom faithfully came night after night to comfort her. And weeks and weeks of this went by until one night, uh, Tracy just couldn't be there any longer. Tracy loved her daughter, wanted to be there, but to be all honest with you, she had been vomiting all day. She could barely hold her head up. Mama can't stay up tonight, she said weakly. I'm just too sick, but I'll leave the nightlight on. Please be a big girl and know that I'm right down the hall. Well, the little girl's face became panic-stricken. Mama, please don't go. Please don't make me be here all alone. I'll fall asleep real fast, I I promise. The mom's Tracy's uh, head was throbbing. Baby, I'd love to, but I'm just so ill. I'll be right next door where you can call me if you need me. Well, in one final plea, little Elena began to cry. And the heartbroken mother's there, and she loves the Lord, and she loves her children. And she says, darling, don't you realize Jesus is going to be here with you? He said in the Bible, he will never leave us. And through her tears, little Elena looks at her mom and says, Mama, right now I need Jesus with skin on. (laughs) You ever been there? You ever needed Jesus with skin on? You know, as believers, we're called to be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to act as He would act. We're to do as He would do. We're to serve as He would serve. To show love. To show compassion, to show kindness, to point others to the Lord Jesus. And there was a man by the name of Onesimus who needed someone to do that for him in his life. You see, Onesimus was a slave who had run away from his master. And he found himself in a very difficult situation. In fact, the Bible scholar Warren Wiersbe tells us about what it would be like to stand in a runaway slave's sandals. What it would be like to be Onesimus. He said if a slave ran away back in those days, the master would register his name and description with the officials and the slave would be on the wanted list. Any free citizen who found a runaway slave could assume custody and even intercede with the owner. The slave was not automatically returned to the owner, nor was he automatically sentenced to death. He says while it is true that some masters were cruel, in fact, One man threw his slave into a pool of man-eating fish. I mean, that's how he was treated. He he became fish food. But, But many of them were reasonable and humane. Why? Well, a slave back in those days and was an expensive and useful piece of personal property. It's hard to even say that sentence, but that's the way they viewed it. And it would cost the owner to lose the slave. And so Onesimus would find himself more than likely on a wanted list. Now, I can't speak from personal experience, but I imagine it's no fun being on a wanted list. To know that people are looking for you. To know that you're on the run. But Onesimus, this runaway slave, is blessed in a tremendous way. You see, his master Philemon was a believer. And while he was on the run, Onesimus now has a new spiritual father in the Apostle Paul. You see, while on the run, Onesimus is gloriously saved under the ministry of Paul. 
And now Paul is sending Onesimus back to his master Philemon. And that's the reason we have the little book in our Bibles called Philemon. I'd ask you to find it uh, this morning. Philemon. It's a tiny book, so be careful you don't go past it. If you get to Hebrews, turn back a page and you'll find the little letter of Paul to Philemon. And that's the main reason that Paul wrote the little letter of Philemon, because he's sending Onesimus back. Now, we studied uh, the first part of the book last week, and we talked about how we should treat our, and, and respond and, and uh, relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should value them. Uh, we should appreciate them. We should pray for them. We should encourage them. And uh, as I came to the rest of the book, the heart of the book, I'll be honest with you, it was one of those weeks where it was difficult to know how to approach today's message. And that's a challenge I have each and every week, to know how to approach the message and present it in a way where at least you'll hopefully stay awake and pay halfway attention, right? And so as I was studying this past week, and I just having a hard time, I ran across a simple chart in the believer's study Bible. Very simple chart. And when I saw it, I said, aha, that's it. In fact, the chart's real simple. It's an older Bible. I put a copy of it in my notes. It's just a round circle with a bunch of arrows going out. But as I saw it, I said, that's exactly how we're going to approach that passage today. So my thanks to W.A. Criswell and all those involved with that study Bible for today's outline. But let me just give you a verse of Scripture that you could write at the top, I think, of Philemon. That would sum up what it teaches. And we take it from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4.32 says this, And be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. I think that verse summarizes the message in the book of Philemon. Now that's a good word for every day, isn't it? That's a good word for your marriage. Did you know that? And be ye kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Forgave you. That's a good word for your marriage. How about your parenting and your relationship with your children? That's a good word, isn't it? And be kind to one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. By the way, that's a good word for our church, isn't it? Because sometimes we may not agree on something. But we're to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And it summarizes, I think, the book of Philemon. That's what Paul is asking Philemon to do. To be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving to his runaway slave, Onesimus. So I want to read the passage one more time in its totality today. And then spend a few minutes looking at Christian love in action. A look at Christian love in action. So if you'll follow along as I read... Philemon, and of course it's just one chapter, so we'll see uh, here the 25 verses that make up this letter. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy our brother, to Philemon our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Now remember, I told you last week really that Aphia is Philemon's wife, and Archippus is his son. And this is a family being written to here, primarily the father and the, the dad, but he greets the members of the family, and it says, and to the church in your house. They met in house churches back then. Didn't have a building like ours. Verse uh, 3. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Now, here we come to the heart of the letter, verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Remember, he's writing this. It's one of the prison epistles, one of the prison letters. He's writing this from prison. Verse 10, I appealed to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf you might minister to me in, the ch- in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntarily. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than as a slave, a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay, not to mention to you, that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Verse 21 says, Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen and amen. Now we learn right away that the uh, love chapter is not only found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it is found there, but it's also found here. This is a chapter full of love. So let's see how love works in this passage. What was in that little chart? That brought about an aha moment for me this past week. Well, number one, we learned that Christian love is grateful for the best in others. Christian love is grateful for the best in others. Gratefulness. We talked a little bit about that last week. We'll not belabor the point, but it bears repeating. Look at verse 4 again. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. When we look around at our brothers and sisters in Christ... And we see good in their lives. And we see growth in their lives. And we see them being made more like the Lord Jesus. It should cause us to lift thanksgiving to our God. Why? Because we know that God is working to make them more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, Christian love, Christian love in action, it doesn't just focus on what's wrong with other people. Do you know anybody like that? All they see is what's wrong. What do you want? Do you know about her? Do you know about him? Have you heard about that? You know what? Those types of people are difficult to deal with sometimes, aren't they? I hope you're not one of those people just always focusing on what's wrong. See, Christian love doesn't just focus on what's wrong. Love looks for the best in that person. In fact, the love chapter, 
1 Corinthians 13, listen to what it says in the love chapter, verses 4 through 7. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. You see, Christian love is grateful for the best in others. Paul displays love in gratefulness. He says about Philemon, I thank my God when I think about you and the blessing that you are. And so we learn right away that Christian love in action is grateful. It looks for the best in others. It looks at how God is molding and shaping other people. But there's a second thing. And that's this. Christian love seeks the welfare of others. Christian love seeks the welfare, the well-being of others. That's what Philemon is all about. Paul is greatly concerned about Onesimus, this runaway slave. Now, as an apostle, Paul could have exercised his apostolic authority and said, Listen, I speak as the apostle Paul. Forgive him, reinstate him. But Paul doesn't do that. In fact, we notice humility. Look at what he says in verse 8 of the same passage, Philemon. Verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, to let you know this is what it's going to be. He says, look at verse 9. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you. For my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. See, see the humility there? Paul says, listen, brother, I'm not commanding you. I'm not going to pull my authority card out and say, you better do this. He says, out of love, I want you to do this. I appeal to you. I, I encourage you. I, I plead with you for my son Onesimus. Now, why does he call him his son? Because he was his spiritual son. You see, he had come to faith in Christ under Paul's ministry. And beloved, the gospel changes a person. Now here's what's interesting. Onesimus' name, do you know what it literally means? Onesimus literally means or translates the idea of useful or profitable. That's what his name meant. Now Philemon uh, has this Onesimus whose name means useful or profitable. And at the moment, Onesimus is anything but useful or profitable as he's running away as a slave, isn't he? Maybe even a play on words here, because what does Paul say? He says there in verse number 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Why? Because he met a man named Paul and Paul introduced Onesimus to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Onesimus had become such a blessing Paul says this in verse 13, whom I wish to keep with me that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. You see, beloved, the gospel changes a person. When a person comes to faith in the Lord Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The gospel changes a person. It changes a person. Think about it. Think about his writing this letter. The Apostle Paul. Was he always the Apostle Paul? No. He was Saul the persecutor. And yet God gloriously saves him and uses him. Onesimus used to be a runaway slave, but now he's more than that. He is a beloved brother. In fact, Paul mentions that. Look at verses 15 and 16. 
He brings God into the picture. He brings God's sovereignty and providence in the picture that God was working. Look at verse 15. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. You see, Paul looks at Onesimus and he wants the very best for him. See, Christian love, it seeks the welfare of others. It seeks the well-being of others. It seeks to serve others. But there's a third thing here, and that's this. Christian love deals honestly with others. Christian love deals honestly with others. Now, Paul was greatly blessed, and Paul wished, he said, I could keep Onesimus with me to help me because I'm in chains. But he doesn't do that. He wouldn't selfishly keep him. Look at verses 12 through 14. He says, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him as my own heart, whom I wish to keep, that he might minister to me. But look at verse 14. But without your consent, without your permission, without your blessing, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. Can I tell you what a blessing it is when people volunteer to serve? We were discussing this morning, I was telling the deacons, I'll just be honest with you, beloved, I dread nomination committee. I do. I dread it with a passion. And you know what? It comes every year. Maybe we just put a five-year rule in. Come every five years. Nobody would volunteer then. Because we don't need to be doing compulsion. Volunteer. Pray and seek God's will and say, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? But every year, we're there and, and... and we don't want to be that compulsion. We want to be voluntary. And Paul says, listen, I, I'm, I'm sending him back and, and I, I want to keep him to help me in the gospel, but, but I wouldn't do it without your consent. And I don't want to be by compulsion. I don't want to twist your arm. I want to be voluntary if you want to do that. But look at what it says in verse 17. If, if then you count me as a part to receive him as you would me. Because we don't know how Philemon felt about Onesimus. He's a runaway slave. And Paul says, listen, if you count me as a friend, as a partner, when you see him, you think of me. Uh, Think of me, receive him as me. You see, living in Christian love means being honest in all of our dealings. Now, it's important to treat other people right. But it's more important to do so out of a pure heart and a right motive. Did you know that? Let me me share some more of the love chapter with you. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow... Listen about treating others right. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, I, I get rid of everything... And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. See, it's important, beloved, that we deal honestly with others. We have a pure heart, pure motive, because there should be a trust within the family of God. There should be integrity within the family of God. We should be able to trust one another, shouldn't we? If you tell me something, if I tell you something, we should say, hey, I know that that word is good. I know that word is going to be uh, carried out. I know it's true. And, and Paul deals honestly. He says, I'm not going to keep him selfishly. I'm not going to keep your property. Now, I know it's hard for us to even think about those terms, but, but in this setting, so I'm sending him back. If you want, and I, I think written in that too, if Paul says, if you want to send him back, I'll be glad to have him. 
But not by compulsion. Voluntarily. There's a fourth thing. Christian love bears the burdens of others. Christian love bears the burdens of others. It's highly possible that when Onesimus ran away, he stole from his master. It may have been money. It may have been property. He had definitely defrauded his master of labor. But look at what it says in verse 18. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Wow. Now that's love, beloved. That's open-ended, isn't it? If he's wronged you in anything, if he's taken anything, put that on my account. Some say, oh, well, Paul really didn't mean that. No, he wasn't just blowing smoke. Look at the next verse, verse 19. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. I will repay. That's amazing. What love Paul had. You see, beloved, that is a picture of grace. Now, when you read that verse where it says, if he's wronged you and owes anything, put that on my account. If you're a Christian today, can you read that verse and not think about your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that a picture of the Savior? Jesus came and looked at us, beloved, in our helpless, lost, hopeless sin. And what did He say? He said, Father, put that on my account. I'll pay for that sin. And he wasn't just using words or just saying it just to hear himself. He put love in action, didn't he? As he laid his life down on that cross, as he shed his precious blood, as he died in our place, as he rose again, he says, Father, put that on my account. Hallelujah. And Paul, as a believer, has been gloriously saved. He's a Christian. And what does he say about this other new believer? He says, listen, if he's wronged you, he says, put that on my account. I'll pay it back. I'll take that burden. And that's what is so glorious as we look at love in this picture and in this passage. There's a fifth thing. Christian love believes the best of others. Christian love believes the best of others. Let's just be honest about this. This is a very sensitive subject that Paul's dealing with when it comes to writing this letter. This was not easy. He's talking about a runaway slave, how Philemon is going to receive him. But it's obvious that Paul had great confidence in Philemon. Why? Look at verses 20 and 21. Yes, brother... Let me have joy from you in the Lord. By the way, I call a lot of our men, I call our men brothers. And some have noticed that and commented on that. Why? Because we're brothers. We're brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ. Yes, brother, let me have joy from the Lord in you. Refresh my heart, the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you'll do even more than I say. See, Christian love believes the best of others. Paul believed that Philemon was not only going to receive him and do right by him, he was going to go the second mile. And Paul is so confident. Did you notice what he wrote next? Verse 22. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Now, Paul thought he's going to be all out with Philemon and Philemon's going to be mad at him. Do you think Paul would have said, hey, prepare the guest room. I'm coming to visit. You don't want to go where you're not welcome, do you? You don't want to stay in someone's home when you know you're not welcome. We believe 
that Philemon was saved under Paul's ministry. Because what does he say at the end of verse 19? I, Paul, am writing you with my own hand. Now notice, I will repay not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. What is he talking about? We believe that Philemon was saved under Paul's ministry as well. Now look at the picture here. Not only is the master, Philemon, saved, now the runaway slave. God in His providence and His mercy put it all together. Some even believe that the reason Onesimus ran away and ended up because he went looking for Paul. Because he knew about Paul. We don't know if that's the case or not. But God orchestrated all of this. Now beloved, we see love in action in this account. What do we see? We see Jesus with skin on. We see Jesus with skin on. Now beloved, I don't know about you, but I can't look at this passage without looking at my own life and asking myself some questions. May I ask you as well. Don't answer out loud in your own heart. Answer these Five questions. Number one, am I displaying Christian love by being grateful for the best in others? Am I displaying Christian love by being grateful for seeing the best in others? Number two, am I displaying Christian love by seeking the welfare of others, the well-being of others? Number three, am I displaying Christian love by dealing honestly with others? Number four, Am I displaying Christian love by bearing the burdens of others? And then, of course, number five. Am I displaying Christian love by believing the best about others? Have you noticed the theme there? Others. 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 I ran across something William Barclay wrote that is worth your careful attention. He said, more people have been brought into the church by... The kindness of real Christian love than all the theological arguments in the world. Think about that. But then he went on to say this. And more people have been driven from the church by the hardened and hardness and ugliness of so-called Christianity than all the doubts in the world. It's amazing to see the impact that our lives can have upon other people and their response to the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. An unknown person put it perhaps the best where they said this, people need love, especially when they don't deserve it. That's true. People need love, especially when they don't deserve it. Beloved, you know what that's called? That's called grace. And when we give that out, we truly become Jesus with skin on. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in your presence today. We thank you for this passage. We thank you for the lessons that are found in it. Lord, Lord, both last week and today, you have challenged my heart to display and live out Christian love in my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. May you work in our lives. May you work at this invitation. Your will be done, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is 294. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, we'd love to introduce him to you. As we sing, you come and let me know that. We'll put you with someone who shared the gospel with you. If you want to come and pray today, the Lord's birthday about something or spoken to your heart about something, you do that. As we stand and sing 294, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Let's stand and sing.